Good morning, church. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, As we continue uh, our journey through the gospel of Luke, we've been in Luke for about a year. Um, We're to chapter 11, so uh, that gives you a good uh, kind of marker for the speed that we're moving. Uh, And and we're talking uh, today about the the Lord's Prayer. We're taking some time uh, to, to look at uh, at this, at this, this prayer of Jesus, um, Jesus the, the disciples asked Jesus here, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, I will. He gives here his, his master class on prayer. Maybe you know about master classes. It's, it's like an expert will give a class on a topic. You know, Gordon Ramsay will give a, a cooking class. Roger Federer will give a tennis class. Stephen King will give a writing class. You know, whoever your expert is. Um, and if you thought, man, who could give us a, a class on prayer? Jesus. He's the one we'd want to have. Uh, And he's the one we do have, right? We have this, his masterclass, his sample prayer that he gives us, uh, he gives us right here. I actually want to start off with uh, with some application, uh, which is not the way you normally do a sermon. Um, you're like Lawson, you should go learn to preach somewhere. You're probably right. Uh, but but last week we gave you some uh, some application, just practical application as we're as we're praying together as a church, as we're we're trying to learn to pray together. Um, and so I just wanted to to I think it's, this just fits the best to, to kind of go over these some of these points. Some of the same, but I want to give you a few new ones this week. Just things you can do, and we can be doing together um, as we learn to pray. And the first application uh, point is, is th- that we would just continue to pray as a church. And we encourage, I encouraged you last week, Lord, teach us to pray. All right, wh- wherever we are in prayer, whether we're novices or experts, uh, we need this, don't we? We need uh, to, to learn and grow in prayer. Um, growing in prayer is like growing in, uh, <laughs> growing, it's like almost synonymous to growing as a Christian, isn't it? Um, and no Christian ever masters prayer or would, would, uh, would say like, I, I, I've got it. It's kind of like humility. It's like whenever you think you've learned the lesson of humility, that's when you haven't. Uh, and so let's pray this together. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Um, second, I'd encourage you to, to use the Lord's prayer. And this is just a great thing. Use, use this, this tool that, we, that Jesus has given us as a template. This church, uh, throughout church history, Christians have done this. Um, some of you may have the Lord's Prayer memorized. You should memorize it if you haven't memorized it. Um, but it, that's a great, if you haven't memorized, you have a, a prayer template right there, right? You can just go in your mind when you're driving and say, Father. You can just use that to jump as a jumping off point. Father, thank you that you're my Father. Right? Hallowed be your name. Your name be honored as holy. God, would you, would you glorify your name? Your kingdom come. Lord, would your kingdom come? In my life, right? You can, you can use the Lord's Prayer as a template um, for prayer. And I'd encourage you to do that this week personally. And then as a group, maybe as a family, that was a good family activity. You can pray the Lord's Prayer together. Use that as a template or as a, as a life group. In your life group, pray um, and, and use the Lord's Prayer. Um, next, I just want to make you aware of this opportunity. You can come and pray before the first service. Um, so there's a group that prays back in the kids' hallway in the, the fifth and sixth grade um, uh, classroom usually. Uh, and, and they just pray for the, the, ser- the service. They pray for uh, the preaching and the music, and they pray for each of you that you're going to come and sit in these chairs. They pray for people, whoever should come, that God would bring the people who should come. Um, and and, uh, and I'm, so, I'm so thankful for this group, uh, this group of, of people. Usually it's uh, Lee, Maggie, and Scooter. If you know any of them, they, they kind of lead it. Um, and I'm so thankful for them. And, and I just, I see God working and moving in our church and in our services. And, and if God has blessed you, and uh, through the services, that's directly linked, I think, to uh, this group that's just praying and asking God to do that. Uh, and so 
Come and join them. Uh, come, and, come and pray. And I know that everyone's schedules doesn't always make, uh, it doesn't always work out. Um, but if, if you can, man, come and, and join us. Uh, join, it's, it's started, or starting around eight o'clock uh, before the, the first service back in the kids' hallway. Um, and then, then lastly, uh, I encourage you to prayer walk in your neighborhood. Prayer walk in your neighborhood. And I would encourage you to continue to do this. Prayer walking is really simple. You just go on a walk. It's beautiful, you know, fall weather um, in Houston, which we don't have very often. Uh, and so go walk in your neighborhood and pray. And, and just, just pray for your neighbors. Pray for the, the, you know, that. It doesn't mean you have to like knock on their door and pray for them. You can. Uh, but you can just walk by their house. God, would you bless those neighbors? Would, would they know you? Uh, would, would your kingdom come in their hearts as we're going to talk about today? Um, pray for your neighbors. I, I, I ask you to send in uh, if you if you did pray in a neighborhood. I found out about halfway through the week that the, the email address wasn't working. So if, if you sent it in and I didn't get it or didn't go through, I'm sorry. Uh, we've got it working now, so you can send it again. But this week, if you do pray, if you go through your neighborhood, please let me know and we'll, we'll put it on a map. You can show the map here. Um, these are some neighborhoods that uh, that we as a church prayed, prayed over this week, this last week. Our church family was asking and praying over uh, these, these neighborhoods. Um, and so I'd encourage you this week to do that. And just a warning, uh, Satan does not like prayer. Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't like us to pray that God's kingdom would come. The kingdom of darkness responds when we, when we begin to pray that. And so uh, you may encounter resistance, spiritual resistance. So be ready for that, right? You can read Ephesians 6, see Ephesians 6 for that, uh, about the armor of God and, and uh, how we are, how we walk with the Lord in prayer and we're able to extinguish all of his flaming uh, arrows. Um, but but I, I would encourage you, man, make some time. If you did it last week, awesome, do it, do it, do more. If you didn't, man, this is the week. Let's try it. Let's, let's pray, pray, walk through our neighborhoods um, and bless our neighbors in that way. You may have been in your job or uh, for school to an orientation. An orientation. Um, what's an orientation? Well, uh, you know, an orientation is where they kind of give you the lay of the land. They tell you what's important. They tell you how things work around here. Um, so that when you, when you come for your first day on campus, your first day, you know, at, at work, you're not lost. You know where to start. You kind of have a, a general idea of uh, where things are and how things work. And I think Jesus here uh, is giving us an orientation on prayer. He wants to orient us and give us a prayer, or, you know, orientation to know how to pray and how prayer works. And, and so last week we talked about God as Father, right? Jesus says, uh, you know, when you pray, say, Father, Father. And we address God as Father. Jesus invites us into that intimate relationship with his Father. Um, and prayer, prayer does require trust, Right? It requires trust. Um, and, and, and that's easier and harder for different people. Um, and, and it may be because of the, the relationship that you've had with your father. Right? Some people have, have a really poor relationship with their father or no relationship at all. Um, and and it's, so it's, it's more difficult to connect and think about God as, as a father. Some of you have great relationships with your fathers. And so it's, it, that's a relatively easy connection to go, yeah, he's, he's like that. Um, but, but regardless, I think whether you had a good father or a, a bad father, um, you know what a good father is, right? You, you, you know what a good, you know how a father should respond, right? The only reason why we can look at a, at a, a bad human father and go, they didn't, man, they, they, they weren't there when they should have been, right? They, they, didn't, they weren't a good father. The only way we can say there's a good father is if we have an, an ideal in our mind of what a father is, who a father is. A father should protect, a father should provide, a father should listen, a father should care, a father should be there, not leave, right? Like we, we have these things and why do we have that ideal? Why do we know what a father should be? Because of God, 
right? Because of his revelation of his word, because of his revelation in, in natural law in the world, because of his revelation in our hearts. Like we know that a good father should be there. We know that a good father should care. And so whether you had a good father or not, I would just say, if you, man, if you had a, a poor father, then, then you know, man, God is, is everything your father should have been and more. All right, if, if, if you had a great father, you can say, man, God is, he, he is everything your father was and more, right? Because every father fails, right? Every, every human father fails their children in some way or another. And, and this puts a weight on us as, as fathers, it should, shouldn't it? How, are we, how do we represent the character of God to our children? How do we make that connection easier or more difficult? But we, we talked about this last week. God is a good father. He's, and he's, he's a person, right? We come to him at, as a personal God. He's not a cosmic life force. He's not like mother nature, you know, this impersonal power in the universe. No, he's, he's a person. We're made in his image. We're people because we're like him in this way, that he is a person. And prayer is first about him. It's first about him. Um, and prayer, and what we're gonna talk about today is that prayer orients us. Prayer orients us to our father's name and his kingdom. Okay, this is the orientation that I think Jesus wants to give us today. And we'll see this in three ways. First, we are, we are in prayer, we are decentered. Second, God is centered, he's made central. And third, our wills submit to his. Our wills submit to his. And let's take a moment and pray and, and we'll, we'll jump into these things. I want to give you a second um, just to pray in your seat and pray uh, yourself. Would you just ask God to speak to you um, and, and ask that you be open to whatever he wants to say? If you would pray for me that I would be faithful to God's word and that I would be helpful to you. Thank you. Lord, uh, we, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for this time. I mean, Father, we just, we want to learn how to pray. So would you teach us? Where we are um, distracted, where we are uh, confused, where we're resistant, Lord, would you, in, in the, the way that you do, would you break through those barriers? Would you remove those obstacles, and would we be open to what you have to say? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First, in prayer, we are, we are de-centered. We are de-centered. We, we think that we are uh, the center of the universe. Humans do. Now, this is a completely natural thing, isn't it? Uh, because we, you know, we, as humans, we can only experience the world through our senses, right? Through, we, we can only, I can only ex experience 
existence through my eyes and my ears and my senses, my brain, right? Uh, in, in a real way, and because of consciousness and how it works, we are the center of our world. The whole world is around us, right? Um, but just because something's natural doesn't mean it's good, right? There's lots of natural things, things that come naturally to us that are very harmful for us. Um, and this is one of them. Our, our, we, are, we are naturally self-centered and then we, we become selfish, and, and very proud. Um, I know this because uh, whenever uh, you look at a, a group picture that you're in, 110% of the time, what do you do the very first? You, you find yourself, right? Why is that? Do you not know what you look like? No, you do know what you look like, but you care about your image, right? What you come off, how you come off. Uh, and if you don't think you look in the picture, it's not a good picture, right? It's not. Uh, and if, if, as I know from date night, it's like picture, hair was bad. Uh, picture, okay, another picture. I can't wait, this is a lot of pictures. Um, sorry, babe. Uh, the, uh, but, but, right, we, we, we care about how we look uh, and our, our image. Um, and, and it's funny because, by the way, no one else is looking at you. They're all looking at themselves in the picture, right? So it doesn't even matter. Uh, but we, that, and that's kind of a silly example, right? But, but aren't there a lot of very serious examples? Isn't most of probably the pain and suffering and heartache in the world because of our self-centeredness? All right, what does James uh, what does James say in, in uh, chapter four? You, you, uh, what, what's the source of, of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. Our self-centeredness is the cause of so much uh, heartache and evil and pain uh, in, in the world. Um, uh, but but the, the first half of this prayer, like this, this prayer that Jesus gives us, um, you, it's really the, the first kind of third in Luke's version. It's the first half, I guess, in Matthew's, which is a little expanded. Um, but but if, you, if you look at it, what, how does this prayer start? Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Right? And Matthew said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer starts the priority, right? The beginning is who? God. It's about him. And so we are decentered. We, we, are, we, are, uh, we are taken out and, and, and it's, it's, it, we're taught and, and we have to remind ourselves, and prayer does this, I think, for us, that we are not the center of the universe. We're not the point, right? Our name our reputation, our accomplishments, our glory will not be praised, will, will fade away, right? And we will not be remembered. Um, this is just the truth. This is the truth of who we are, of, of, our, um, of our existence as creatures. But second, right? Second, we see that in prayer, um, God is made central, God is centered, right? We are moved out of the center um, so that the, the king can take his rightful place. But Jesus says you should pray, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your name be honored as holy. Uh, God's name, this doesn't just mean like the, the letters that make up 
you know, his name. Um, we we kind of, ha- we have a, a fairly shallow view of names in our culture. Uh, back back in, in the, uh, you know, ancient times and in, in the Bible, names communicate much more about the person. They, they really encapsulate who the person is, their character, who they are, their reputation, what they do. And so your name, so when, when Moses learns the name of God, when, when God reveals his name to Moses in Exodus there in the burning bush, what does he say? Tell them, I am who I am has sent you. Yahweh, right? This word, I am. It's this, it's this crazy name that, that, you know, every, if you read the scholars, it's like no one knows how to translate it. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Right? He's, he's communicating something of his, his nature uh, that he's self-sufficient. There's no, like we're all dependent creatures. God is independent. He's not, he's the only self-generating person. There's no one uh, who's holding him up. Um, and so, this is, this is his name, and this is what name means. Um, and so it's not just talking about, you know, his, the, the, the letters. It's saying who you are. May you, you as a person, all, everything we know of you, may you be honored as holy. As holy, it says. Now, holiness uh, is really hard to define, really hard to talk about. Uh, one theologian was like, like, you know, no one can, can define holiness in human language. You know, he starts, and then he wrote a whole book on holiness. So, uh, that's, that's, uh, okay, uh, uh, I guess that's true. Uh, holiness uh, is, uh, it, me- it means to be set apart, right? To, to, be, to be different. Um, and so this communicates the uniqueness of God, that he is not just like better than us. He's not just like, oh yeah, we know love and he's like more loving. Like we know justice and he's more just. We know, you know, mercy and he's more merciful. No, no, he's of a different quality, of a different kind. Right? He's, he's in his own league um, in, in, in holiness. He's set apart uh, from, from everything. Um, it has a, an element of purity to it. Right, that that uh, he's the definition of purity. It's the definition. There's nothing evil. He's, he's the definition of righteousness and goodness. Um, this this can is God's defining characteristic. You could say uh, all throughout Scripture. Right? What do the angels say? That what are they, they said to be saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? No, no other quality of God is is said in that way. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, A.W. A. Pink says it this way, holiness is the very excellency of the divine nature. The great God is glorious in holiness. Uh, John Piper says, God's holiness is his infinite value as the absolutely unique, morally perfect, permanent person that he is. The infinite value. And so all of God's characteristics can be described as holy, right? Holy love, Holy justice, holy righteousness. Um, right? this, this, this describes who God is and what he uh, is, is like. And so this is a request, right? So what is this? Your name be honored as holy or hallowed be your name as some of the translations say. What, what is it saying? It's, it's a request that our father would make himself known for who he is. That he would be known for his holiness, for how wonderful, how majestic, how, much, how valuable he really is. Would people understand the weight of his glory, the substance of his nature? Right, we, it's easy to take God really lightly, isn't it? So many do. Right, I might think about God every now and then. Oh, no, no, no. Like He, he is the, the holy one. The one that, that matters the most. 
God is the center of, of the universe, right? He is the one uh, who, who this is all for, from him, through him, and to him are all things. He's the point. He's the culmination. He's the worthy one. And prayer orients us to this reality, right? Prayer orients us to this reality. Until we, we are oriented to that, we, we're going to pray wrongly, I think. And so God is brought to be central in prayer. So we're decentered, God is centered. Um, and then thirdly, our wills submit to his. Right? Our wills submit to his. Um, and, and he says, your kingdom come. Father, your name be honored is holy. Your kingdom come. That's the next request. Now, the, the kingdom of God is another, uh, another thing that, that's talked about often, and it's, it's really hard to get, your, get our minds around. What is the kingdom of God? Uh, Jesus has talked about the kingdom of God already many times in Luke. Uh, I think in, in Luke, over 40 times, uh, the, the, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, right? I, I've come to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. He sent out his disciples to proclaim the news of the kingdom of God. And, and he, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. I, I, when he came, Jesus brought the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Uh, I like Dallas Willard's definition. The kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. Right, he was a philosopher, so he has these kind of like technical definitions, which I appreciate. Uh, the range of God's, this is where he rules. It's where he reigns. It's where his will is done. And so when, when we pray, your kingdom come, right? And then you, I think the, the, the expansion of Matthew's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven helps us understand what this means, right? That just like as in heaven, right? How is God's will done in heaven? Perfectly, right? How, how well do the angels carry out the missions that, that God gives them? Absolutely, right? And so just, we, we long just as your will's done there, so would your will and your kingdom be, be done here. And, and I think this means a lot of things. Right? I, think, I think you can't limit this to, to just one aspect. Um, I think this, this certainly means, what do, we, what do we mean when we pray, your kingdom come? I think we, we mean, would your kingdom come in our hearts? Like, would we do your will? Would I, would I see for who you are and follow you and carry out your will just as, as I will in heaven? I think we, we pray for it the church. Right, would your kingdom come in us? Right, in our family, in our church family, would, would love be so manifest? Would, would the kingdom be so manifest here uh, that as we proclaim the gospel from the pulpit and from in, in our workplaces and in the, at parks and everywhere we are, that you would bring people out of darkness and into the kingdom of light? Would your kingdom come in us? Would your kingdom come in the world? Right? We know that God cares about the world and the needs of the world and the poor. Would justice come? Would justice roll down like waters? Right? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done everywhere as it is in heaven? And then, of course, finally, would your kingdom come? Jesus, would you come back and would you establish your rule? Would, 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 because we know one day he will. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Right? And when Jesus comes, it will be the answer to every Christian's prayer who has ever prayed, your kingdom come, won't it? And he will say, yes, I will come. And I will, I will dwell with you and be the ruler here. And so we're praying for all of these things when we pray, your kingdom come. And I think it's impossible to pray that without submitting our wills to his. 
Right? To pray your kingdom come, your will be done is to, to say, not, not my will, right? Not what I want. Right? So often I think we, we struggle with this, don't we? We, we don't want, we don't really deep down want God's kingdom to come. We want our kingdom to be built. Right? We, 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 just, we just really want to just make some more money. Like, yeah, sure, like church stuff's cool, but if I could just really make more money, that's like what I really want deeply. I just really want this relationship to work. I really want this, my family to go this way. I really want, right, whatever it is, right? Do we, do we, do we, are we honest when we say, your kingdom come? And we have to submit. We have to submit to God. We, we say with the psalmist in Psalm 115, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where's their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. And so we submit and we say, not to us, Lord, to your name be the glory. Would your name be honored in in me, in us, in the world? Would your kingdom come in me, in us, in the world? And, and notice that these, these first two petitions, right? Your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. Um, they're not petitions first that we would do something. I think, I think certainly when we pray these things, we, it makes us want to do something. It makes us want to, want to honor his name. It makes us want to, to do his will. Of course we should, and we, we do. We want these things. But, but I think first, the, these are petitions that he would honor his name that he would bring his kingdom into the, into the earth because he's the only one who can do it. And there's so much angst and there's so much uh, like tension and anxiety and confusion in the world right now, in our hearts, in our families. And, and we, I think it's a good question. Where, where is our hope for these things? Is our hope in what we can do, how we can organize and make something happen? Or, or is our hope in the Lord, our Father, the Holy One, that he would honor his name, that he would bring his kingdom as he promised? I, I think this should be a relief to us. Right? He's the only one who can. We can rest in our good Father's will. Right? Submission to God's will, it feel, it's hard, right? It's easy to say, it's hard to do. Um, but but it's, the, it's the way of peace, Right? It's the way to, to, to be relieved, to relax from our having to control the world, which we can't do anyway. And, and this is perhaps the, the chief challenge of prayer, right? Submitting to God's will, certainly a difficult one. Right? As, as I said, it's, it's easy to say it. Oh, yeah, we submit to God's will. Your kingdom come, right? But, it, but it's a harder thing to do. Right, it, to really do, especially if it's something you really care about. <laughs> especially if it's something you, 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 you think, this has to go this way. It can't do any other way. And many people struggle, I think, with, with this in, in, uh, in unanswered prayers. Or maybe something tragic happened in your life. Or maybe you, you are going through intense suffering right now. Maybe one of your, your children is walking away from the Lord despite how you've prayed for them. Maybe you've prayed for someone to meet Jesus and they just haven't. 
Um, my wife and I had a, a miscarriage three years ago. Um, and, and, you know, we, just like with all of our other children, we, we prayed for the baby's health. We prayed that they would be healthy, that God would, would keep them safe, that we'd be able to welcome them with joy into our family. And, and yet, God took the baby from us. And I think that the natural reaction to, to that might, might be anger, right? Doubt, cynicism. It might be a hardening of your heart to God, a drifting away from God's people. Just, I just can't do it right now. I just, this is, this is, deep down, it's just, it's just painful, right? It just hurts. And the question I think is, is, we often have is why? Why did you let this happen? And I can't answer that question for, for myself or, or for you. But, but I, I can get behind it a little bit and, and, and doubt my doubt. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. I think sometimes our, our faith can seem a little shaky, but our doubts just seem so solid, so rooted, right? And it's like, well, maybe that's because you haven't really thought about your doubts, why you're doubting. And I, I think there's, there, there's something behind an angry reaction to things that, that suffering that happens in our life, things that happen that don't go, don't go as we want in our lives. I, I, I got this illustration. I heard Tim Keller do this uh, years ago and it stuck with me. As if, if we're at Starbucks um, and we're sitting across the table having coffee and I have a pen and a, uh, an, a napkin um, and let's say I, I have the napkin and I draw a circle on it. I slide it across the table to you and I give you the pen and I say, this circle represents all possible knowledge, everything that can be known. I want you to mark on there in that circle what percentage of that you know. Right, and if you're a sane person, uh, I guess if you're a psychopath, this might be a different answer, but uh, right, if you're a sane person, then you just put like a little you know, a tiny circle you could draw, a little dot maybe, right? We know, like we, we know, we don't know much, right? We, we, there's a lot that we don't know in the world, isn't there? We're very limited. And I think the, the hidden belief that underlies our, the, the angry response to suffering in situations in our life is this, that because I can't think of a good reason for this to happen or why this could have happened, there isn't one. Right, and, and if, if, if we're in Starbucks and I said, well, do you think there, there might be a reason that you haven't, if, there, if you don't know all of this, if you, don't have, if you only know a tiny bit of all possible knowledge, could there be a reason that you're not thinking of, that you can't think of, you don't, you don't know? I think we have to say yes, there could be. I can't think of a good reason uh, that we had a miscarriage. I cannot think of a, I don't know what good can come out of it. Why? It's painful. But God is wiser than me. And just because I can't think of a good reason for it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a good reason. Doesn't mean that he isn't working all things for good for those who love him or are called according to his purpose. 
And I'm called to trust that. And we, we see this all over in scripture, don't we? Right, scripture helps us and these stories can help us. Joseph, right? Joseph, what a wonderful, what a great anchor for us. Joseph's story, he's sold into slavery, right? His brothers sell him into slavery. Don't you think in that caravan headed to Egypt, like leaving, being torn away, ripped away from everything he's known, don't you think he's going, God, why? Why? When he's in Potiphar's house and he's wrongly accused of attacking Potiphar's wife and he's put in prison, don't you think he's going, God, why? Being faithful to you here. Right, when, he, when he's, when he's uh, you know, he's in prison and he interprets the cupbearer's dream, right? And the cupbearer gets out of prison, goes back to Pharaoh's, the, to Pharaoh's side and he thinks, okay, maybe this is my chance. Maybe, and it says, no, the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Don't you think those, the, those next two years, Joseph was like, whoa, Lord, why, why? Right, and we look from our perspective, we see the end of the story and we go, Hold on, Joseph. God's you, he's, he's weaving your story. Just wait. He's going to use you to save your whole family. Just wait. But that's not how it felt for Joseph. And he says it, doesn't he? And, and sometimes we're privileged to get to see the end and see why God is working. Right, Joseph sees it at the end. He says, what you, he tells his brothers, what you meant for evil God meant for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good and the rescue of many people. But the, it's, it's a lot to trust God in that way, isn't it? It's hard. It's a big ask. And so, so I think it's a good question. Why should we? Why should we trust God with things we're not going like we, we think they should? Well, if you remember, Jesus actually experienced having to submit his will to his father's and things going not as he wanted. Right in the garden in Gethsemane, right, right before he's arrested and executed, he's praying with his disciples. Verse uh, Luke twenty two forty one. he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. I don't wanna go through with this, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Right, Jesus submitted his will to his fathers and he experienced his request being rejected. No, this cup will not pass from you. You will drink it to the full. And Jesus was executed and he rose from the dead in our place. Right, so we could have redemption. And I think this, this means that we should trust, trust God for at least two reasons, right, for, for, even from this. Like whenever something happens to us, we can't explain, we don't know, we don't know why. Like we, we don't always know why, and that doesn't that make sense. If we're so limited and we don't know so much, of course we wouldn't understand most things. <laughs> we should expect that, I think. But, but the, we, can, we do know something and it, we know we can rule out a reason, right? It, we can rule out that it's because God doesn't love us. And isn't that what we think sometimes? This is happening because God's mad at me, because of what I've done in the past, because he doesn't love me, right? And, and we can rule that out, absolutely, right? Why? Because Jesus gave himself for us, because in the garden he did submit his will to the Father and he gave his life, 
A greater love is no one this to lay down his life for his friends. He gave himself for us. He, he proved his love. So whatever the reason that things are happening, it's not that God doesn't love you. He does. Right? He proved it beyond a shadow of the doubt. Romans 8, 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, right? the Father gave his son up, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Or we can trust our Father's heart even when we don't understand his actions. We can trust him for that reason. I think another reason we can trust, trust um, God is, is because Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. I think of this, the Holy One, right? The, the majestic one, the one who's above all, who's, who's set apart from all of creation, the one who made everything, holds everything together. He entered humanity and he suffered. He suffered. Hebrews 4 says, we do, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And Jesus knows what it's like. He knows about temptation. He knows about our weakness. He's felt it. He's experienced it. And so we can go to him. He understands. And we can go to him with boldness to his throne and we can find help. We can find mercy and grace. And lastly, I think we, 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 have, the, we have the hope of eternity, right? We, we do have the hope of his kingdom coming. Right? And, and, and oh, this is so hard to explain. Right, but, but what does Paul say? Uh, that, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Right, Andrew Peterson has a line in his song, all of the death that ever was, if you set it next to life, I believe it would barely fill a cup. Right, there is th- this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but the things that are unseen. Things that are seen are transient, things that are unseen are eternal. We have the hope of his kingdom coming and he will come. Let's pray. As the band comes, I might love to give you just a little bit of a moment to to respond in your heart to this message, however God is speaking to you, however he's working on you. I would just encourage you to come to the Lord, however you are, Right, we, we, are, we are weak and we are uh, slow and, and slow to believe. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just like, I just really can't pray this honestly. Your kingdom come. Would your name be honored as holy? And that's okay. You can just go to God and just tell him that. Oh, God, I don't, I don't even know if I can pray this honestly. He, that's okay. <laughs> he already knows, by the way. 
maybe you haven't prayed in a long time and you don't know why you could just admit that to him Thank you.